You're listening to a Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, Hey everybody, this is Dan Savage. Welcome to a very special sleep deprivation installment of the Savage Lovecast, the once a week out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage today for details. Um, me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth who bring you the program are all uh, sleep-deprived today, so it should be a very uh, compelling and interesting and well-put-together, well-articulated program. I'm glad you could join us. 206-201-2720 is the number if you'd like to record a question for future podcasts. That's the way it works. We got tons of questions in the hopper, and we're going to, as I like to say, get to them right now. Hey, Dan. Um, I am a 21-year-old college student from New England. And I don't like um, like heteronormative sex, I guess. Um, I'm um, very much into pleasing women. I, in fact, like I had an encounter last night, and I just like the most like beautiful moment just seeing her come, and that's like sort of all I I care about. But on, on the other hand, um, very submissive and. Um, Sort of, I guess I'm looking for resources for um, our books, you know, reading material, uh, blogs, um, to develop my my um, predilection. Um, it's not going away for sure. Um, I kind of have a cleaning fetish. Um, I have a, uh, a biting fetish and a foot fetish, and I have a sort of dirty fetish. Um, you know, just sort of like um, things that would be gross, and if the person's like. Sh- rubbing them in my face. It's kind of hot if, uh, yeah. Um, so I guess just some advice for someone who goes to a kind of straight laced college and doesn't really have a whole lot of, uh, people to, to ask. John, I just listened to your call and I think it's wonderful that you're not interested in heteronormative sex and you define heteronormative, uh, sort of as, uh, not being interested in pleasing the woman which I hope isn't really an accurate description of heteronormative. You say you're not into heteronormative, you're into pleasing the woman. Um, and that's a sad commentary on people who are heteronormative, if that's the case. Um, no, no, you're right, and that was uh, that was wrong on my part, but very it is one. kind of, yeah. <laughs> so you go to yeah. college and you're submissive and you have all these kinky fantasies and you're having a hard time finding someone to explore them with. And you need to own up to the fact that you have a long list of sex acts that you are interested in. You say it's all about the woman, whatever she wants, her pleasure. But you want biting, you want cleaning, you want dirty sex. You you have these things that you want to find a woman to do to you. And you need to own up to the fact that you're not just looking to please a woman. You're looking for a woman who's interested in pleasing you, with it being this pantomime of her punishing you or making you suffer for her amusement. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. you know, the odds of two people coming together who have completely uh, meshing kinks, you know, where she shares all of your fetishes, you share all of hers, and you're a perfect fit, are vanishingly small. Yeah. And you don't want to top from below, as they say in BDSM circles, and you know, manipulate someone into doing things for you while pretending the whole time that this is about what they want 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So what you need to do is date. We live in a post-Madonna universe. We live in a post-HBO real sex universe. We live in a, I don't want to say post-Savage Love universe because it's still going on, but you know what I mean. Um, Madonna's still going on, too. We're both limping along. BDSM and, you know, Dom subsex is no longer considered that off the hook or crazy kinky. Like, you're not, if you're dating, you know, hip, liberal arts, college girls, you're not going to blow their minds if you whip out, you know, you lay it on them that you're kind of into, you want to explore Dom sub play. Right, yeah. All you need to do is date and be honest. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, then it gets around, then your friends know you're a little bit kinky, so what? No, I mean, actually, actually, it's really funny. Um, this sort of came out um, when I, I got stoned, like, three weeks ago, and, it, you know, in my, I'm not really new, I'm pretty new to marijuana, and I, I said something to the, fact that, to the effect that I really wanted to go to someone's house and, and, like, have them force me to clean shit and, like, you know, and they're like, you know, dude, you could probably get that in Craigslist. And then I was like, well, you know, the, you know, the thing that, you know, the other thing to it is that, you know, I also want to, you know, jump in the sack afterwards, you know. And you could probably get that on Craigslist, too, and lots of other websites. Um, there's tons of info. I mean, if you want to explore the organized BDSM community, all you have to do is Google the city that you're in, BDSM community, Google the word munch, which is uh, something that uh, organized BDSM groups host, which is like a Sunday or Saturday afternoon brunch where, you know, BDSMers in a low-key, low-stakes atmosphere, like it's waffles and, you know, uh, fruit cocktails and shit. It's about as l- the least erotic setup scenario you can imagine. So you can just have a conversation about your interests without any expectations of play. Um, mm-hmm. No pressure on you, no pressure on the other folks who show up who may be newbies, right? And you'll see, you'll yeah. meet other people. But, you know what, your age and in the environment that you're in, you just need to find a girl who really digs you Draw her out about the things that turn her on and the the things that she wants to do and be totally there for her and be 100% willing and lay it on her that you're a very kinky boy. But don't – I say say this so often I begin to sound like a broken record. Don't lay it on her like, oh, I have some bad news. The guy you're dating has a fatal case of kink leukemia. You know what I mean? It's not something that – you know, it's not a terminal. It's not something she's going to have to endure by being with you. It's sh- you should roll it out as a perk. Mm-hmm. Your your dorm room, your apartment, your whatever is going to be spotless because I'm going to clean your house and clean your apartment on my hands and knees naked while you put your feet up, and then we'll fuck like crazy, and I'll be so fucking turned on. That's all you have to say. You have to have the courage of your own kinks. There's no magical way to meet. There are many, many more kinky boys than there are kinky girls, particularly at your age. You know, a lot of women find that when they hit their sexual peaks in their 30s, that they suddenly get interested in all sorts of kinks that they could could have given a shit about when they were younger. But at your age, if you're dating women who are roughly your own age, you're going to have to be the instigator. And you're going to have to ask, ask cheerfully, don't feel ashamed of yourself, don't feel ashamed of your kinks. And make it a great big fun exploration and tell her her dishes will be done constantly, but you'll be leaking pre cum under her kitchen floor the whole time. <laughs> don't be embarrassed about yeah. it. Yeah, no, definitely. And if um, people find out, like if your friends find out, so what? No, I actually run with um, pretty non heteronormative uh, people. There you um, go. There you in go. fact, in fact, they, they know. They know that I'm. And it's uh, actually usually the the subject of a joke, you know, like, you know, you know that's so submissive, just like gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
you're, st- you're, you're halfway home. Then. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that um, I, I do have a question about, like, say, AdultFinder.com or Craigslist. I mean, are there any tips you can give me about, um, you know, being very upfront and also being very safe? Um, well, you know, there's a lot of fakers on Craigslist. There's a lot of gay men pretending to be straight women and straight women actually pretending to be gay men. And there's a lot of time wasters. Um, and you have to approach those sorts of things with a, an attitude of, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. Okay. Right? And you need to yeah. use your bullshit detectors and your common sense. If you meet somebody online, if you put, you know, you put up an ad that says, here I am, this is what I'm about, this is what I'm after, and somebody responds... Don't go to somebody's house in the middle of the night without anyone knowing where you're going to get tied up or anything crazy. The very first time you meet, it has to be in public. It has to be in the middle of the day. It has to be uh, just for coffee or just for a drink with no expectation. Of pl- and they need to prove to you that they you know, can at least affect seeming sane and safe. And then you have to take that leap of faith. You have to trust your gut and decide whether or not you're going to go for it. You know, sometimes something that happens frequently to young kinksters like you is you're so desperate to live out some of your kinks that early on, young kinksters will do it with anybody just so they can do the thing that they're interested in doing. So, you know, young straight guys I know have played with gay guys or, you know, gone with women that they didn't, they weren't really attracted to or didn't feel right about and had bad experiences. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to, you know, screw up your sexuality like that by associating your passions with really negative first experiences. And so the trick for young straight guys who are kinky is you're going to, you know, if you were young and gay and kinky, there'd be tons of other gay kinky guys out there because gay guys are guys first and guys tend to be kinky. But if you're young and straight and kinky, you're going to have to find girls who care enough about you to get kinky with you. Or find the, you know, needle in the haystack kinky girl. And they're hard to find and they're much in demand. Okay? Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you for calling back. Sure thing. Good luck with it. And uh, send me some pictures of you scrubbing the floor when you get a girlfriend. Hi, Dan. Uh, My fiancé and I split about six weeks ago, what seems like, you know, a lifetime now, and agreed not to communicate for one year. And so yesterday I get this email from her in the morning, and she says she has something personal she wants to talk to me about but doesn't feel comfortable writing. So the whole day I'm physically sick and, you know, mentally preparing myself from everything from HIV to pregnancy, you know, and it's totally fucking me up. So when I get to our meeting place at a park, we start walking and, you know, with that awkward civility like we hadn't spent the last two years screwing each other, and, and she, uh, she asked me, you know, do you still have that video of us having sex? And I'm like, yes knowing full well that I had assured her that it would be gone. And she goes on this rant about how she had this nightmare where she was much older and, you know, earned tenure and it all got thrown away because of this video. And I was like, you know, that's it. I've been running around with my guts inside out, you know, thinking you were pregnant. That's what this is about. So she starts to go off. And here's this, uh, here's where it gets confusing. I mean, to me, uh, she tells me, you know, if that gets out, I'm going to, I'll press charges and, then out of nowhere, she she goes off on this thing about how she probably got a ton of STDs from me from all my freaky sex prior to her, and uh, and to cap it all off, we both got into the same you know Ivy League school, so naturally we're inclined to go there. But she wants to know if I'm going for sure because she may forego it if it means being in the same place. And I'm like, you know, well, what do you want me to do? You know, rip open a space time portal so that you can go to school in a dimension where we don't know each other. So she feeds me this line about how if if I'm out, she wants me out of her life 150%. So I spotted something like, fine, 150%, and I'm gone and walked off. So this is the thing. My friends are telling me that this is a, you know, 
I still love you tantrum. And I'm not sure if that's true. And also, what do you think that the ethics of ownership of private material like a sex tape, you know, is? Hey, I guarantee you that it was not an I still love you tantrum. Okay. Those are nice friends you have there. They're telling you what yeah. you probably think somebody whose engagement ended needs to hear, but that's not an I still love you tantrum. Okay. That's actually well, it's good to get it from a good source. She actually has cause to be upset in that moment because you promised her that that sex tape would be destroyed, and she asked you point blank what was up with the sex tape, and you said you still had it. Mm-hmm. So she has cause to be upset. You know, it seems a bit psychodrama-y, and we don't know. You know, we don't know what was behind the end of the engagement, and I don't know if we have time to go into that, uh, or if picking at that scab would be helpful. But it, it sounds like a pretty scorched earth breakup. And she's feeling insecure about the existence of this tape. And you really do owe it to her for whatever, whatever, you need to go into the little part of your heart where there's some affection for her that was left over or residual, or you can see that whatever it was that attracted you in the first place and do the right fucking thing and return the tape to her so that she can see that it is destroyed. Mm. All right. Because that is what you promised her. Yeah, see, yeah, and I, and I know that. And, and you that. should follow through with that. Like, whatever anger you guys, you're holding on to about the breakup, it's just shitty. Because you know what? In five or ten years, you're going to remember even this relationship with some fondness. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I mean, part of my uh, reluctance to destroy the tape is that I, it's not anger. It's, it's that I do still love her. It's that, you know, that holds tremendous sentimental value. It's not the only, you know, video or pictures that I have, and I could part with any any of the other ones. It's, uh, you know, it's just kind of sad. It is sad. But you know what? For her peace of mind and for your mensch status and for your karma, you need to set her at ease. And, you know, the whole, like, fit she threw, I'm not excusing that, her 150% shit, it sounds really awful from both sides. But you're, you're holding this thing over her head that she feels like you could really wound her with. And that's just shitty. That's just shitty to make somebody sweat that out for the rest of her life because you're angry about her irrationality, about you guys in this not going to the same college because she's being an infant about having to run into you and be civil. Like, waka, 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 set all that aside. Okay. And return it to her. Do the right fucking thing. And I'm going to call you every week when we record this podcast to make sure that you did until you did. Oh, Jesus. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. I just dinked in there and found a copy of Don't Get Too Comfortable by David Rakoff, recorded by David Rakoff, and he is hilarious in print and twice as hilarious when he's reading his own stuff aloud. Again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get your free audiobook now. Um, I'm a 20-year-old gay male uh, recently out. Um, I was sort of in, I guess, what you could call a relationship. I met this guy at my gym, and uh, we had a date around Easter Easter Sunday that lasted from the early afternoon into the evening. I ended up sleeping over at his house, and... We saw each other a couple times after that in the coming weeks. I ended up sleeping over, of course, like at a month period, about six times. 
we didn't really have sex, but we became very close. And I met his friends, and I, I came to a party of his. I guess I just haven't spoken to him in three weeks. And he had done this sort of before where I didn't speak from, to him for a week, and then he had called me at the end of the week after I had called him. I just feel like I've been dumped, and I'm pretty sure I have, but I'm really very devastated and very sad about it. And I'm sort of sad that this question is in the abstract, but is it too late to sort of make, I don't know, a grand romantic gesture? You know, I remember reading sort of 19th century literature in high school and, you know, I'll talk about being grateful for love and grateful for affection and that it's something you in a certain way have to fight for. Should I fight for this? Should I? I've called him. I haven't heard back, but, you know, I know he works very hard. Um, is it worth fighting for? dropping off a gift, showing up at his house. I don't want to seem like a stalker, but the thing is, when we're together, I feel like he really cares about me. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. You got dumped. You start your call with, uh, I was in what you could call a relationship. Maybe you could call that a relationship at 20 and just out, um, but I wouldn't call that a relationship. You dated briefly. You slept over a few times. You never had sex you did not become very close, in your words. We became very close. You didn't. You have a crush on him. You feel fulfilled probably sexually and emotionally and fulfilled as you know, your new identity as an out gay man when you're with him. Uh, I remember having those feelings about guys I dated when I was 17, 18 years old. Uh, dated. I saw six times, didn't really mess around with. I thought I was in love. I thought they must be in love with me and I never saw them again or they stopped returning my calls. It happens to us all. You get dumped. You've been dumped. Now about that romantic literature uh, and the grand romantic gesture, The you took the word right out of my mouth. Stalker. You know, you go to the movies and the guy won't take no for an answer and he's climbing up ladders into the girl's window and he's, you know, showing up wherever she's at, wherever she's going. Um, and eventually her heart melts and, you know, even though they hated each other at the start, he wins the girl. That's bullshit. It only happens in movies. The grand romantic gesture uh, in reality, in real life, can get your ass grandly romantically arrested. Okay? Now, if you feel like, you know, a last ditch, completely mortifying, and you'll feel humiliated after you do it, uh, action, sending him flowers, one last call, going to a party where you know he's going to be, and throwing yourself at him, is something you need to do to make sure that this relationship is not only dead, but really most sincerely dead, then you should go for it. For your own peace of mind. But it's just going to salt the wound. The guy that sees you six times, lets you sleep over a few times, introduces you to a few of his friends, and then stops calling, is dumping you. You have been dumped, past tense, it's over. Look around for someone else. You've gotten your heart broken, cry, write some bad poetry, go to some movies, hang out with your girlfriends, uh, hang out with your guy friends, uh, be a complete self-involved pussy about or scrotum about it, weep and weep and weep, um, and then move on. There are other men out there you will love again. Hi, Dan. I am a 25-year-old straight female, and I am a member of the small minority of women who 
are able to orgasm during vaginal intercourse. Um, so I'm not complaining at all. I am confused, however, because I have never been able to orgasm during oral sex or any other sort of special touch or anything else, including vibrators, um, which I realize is pretty opposite from the experience of most women and also just seems pretty bizarre to me. It's not that there's no such thing as a vaginal orgasm. It's just that we misunderstood for a long time what a vaginal orgasm was. Uh, the vaginal canal doesn't have a lot of nerve endings. Um, there's no such thing as, you know, you just bang away at the walls of the vagina and uh, a woman has an orgasm. There is only clitoral orgasms. The, you know, the clitoris is not just... Uh, the little nub that you can see on the outside, sometimes a big nub that you can see on the outside. There's a whole lot of clitoral tissue that is sort of burrowed deep into a woman's crotch. Um, and uh, people who can come uh, from vag during vaginal intercourse are still having clitoral orgasms. Those are the only kind uh, that women have. They're still having clitoral orgasms. It's just they're getting their clitoral stimulation uh, from the inside out. Or they're getting a grind on their clitoris as well as getting the uh, wings, as they're called, of the clitoris that are inside uh, slapped around by the penis and the motion and the, and, the, and the fucking, right? So that's the kind of orgasm you had. Um, I'm curious. I tried to call you and couldn't get you as to whether or not when you masturbate, uh, you have orgasms. Um, you've only had sex with one dude. You don't know how you'll respond to another dude. And I'll, I'll whip this last idea on you. Um, you know, sex isn't just mechanics and, you know, you press this button, that button, you rub this body part, that party part, and somebody falls over the, uh, falls off the ledge and, you know, it comes. Uh, sex is, there's a huge psychological component to sex. You may, uh, you know, erotically, your erotic imagination, your arousal response may attach huge importance to being penetrated. That may be for you the most arousing aspect of sex, that there's you know, this guy inside you and he's taking his pleasure. So you may become much more aroused. Your arousal will be thoroughly heightened during that experience if penetration is really that, uh, you know, erotically and emotionally significant for you. So you may, when you got fucked by this guy, when he was, uh, you know, slamming away inside you, you may have become more stimulated, more aroused. Uh, your clitoral tissues drew in more fluid and it put you at the edge and then you went over and then you had your orgasm, right? But it's still a clitoral orgasm. It was just as tied to this emotional, uh, arousal response to being penetrated. Uh, I would explore that if I were you with your next partner, if this guy's out of your life. Um, there's nothing wrong with coming the way you come. We all have a right to come the way uh, to do what works for us. Take the caller at the beginning of the program, the 21-year-old submissive who wants to clean the house. If he finds a girl who'll bark orders at him and make him scrub her bathroom floor with his toothbrush, he'll be so intensely aroused that she'll barely need to touch him to make him come because psychologically he's just going to be on the edge, right? For you, that may be getting fucked. Having a guy inside you may put you in the same space that cleaning the bathroom floor will put that kid from earlier in the show. And you just need to own it and enjoy it, and roll with it. Hey, Van. I'm an 18-year-old um, senior in high school, and I've been with my boyfriend for over a year. Um, we're very, very different <laughs> with morals and values. Um, I'm a virgin, he's a virgin, and while my virginity is very, very important to me, 
I've always felt that there was nothing wrong with, you know, having sex with someone that I was in love with. And I'm absolutely sure that I'm in love with him. And I know that he's in love with me. We've gone through so much together, and he's absolutely my best friend. But um, he is absolutely opposed to the idea of having sex. Um, he, and it's gotten to the point where, like, I've expressed all of my feelings toward it on him because I don't want it for physical reasons. I want it, you know, for spiritual unity and being one in every way. And he's absolutely opposed to that until we have wedding rings, which obviously is not going to be happening for at least five or six years. And I'm not willing to waste my youth for that long. So um, this is really tough, and it's definitely going to go into whether or not I want to stay with him for college because I feel like this is a big thing that we're disagreeing on. And it's to the point where, like, we've done everything else. We are together naked all the time, and when it gets to that point, I'm, I mean, every time we're physical now, like, I just start crying because he's like, well, I don't feel that it's very, like, it's necessary right now, and I think that's absolutely ridiculous, but um, he just wants me to go along with that, and I'm not okay with that because this is something that's really important to me. We've been fighting about it for three months now because I let him know in March that this is something that I really, really wanted to share with him. It, it must be some like fear of commitment when he's saying he wants to commit himself to me forever and he can totally see us being together, you know, and getting married. And I see that too, or else I wouldn't want to share this with him. But I mean, and I know I can't know, but I have a pretty strong feeling about it. Hey, Carrie, it's Dan. My first reaction, you know, to your call was just to be 100% on your side and wanting to slap your boyfriend. Thank you. But then, of course, I paused for a second and thought, if this were a boy calling and lodging the same complaint against his girlfriend, that he, you know, she didn't want to uh, do it. Then you'd want to slap him, I know. Well, culturally, there'd be a little, you know, it would be, we would read it a little differently. Like, my sympathies are with you, but I don't want to tell you that there's something wrong with him that he's not ready for full-blown yeah, sex. Yeah, because we've talked about it like that. Like, you know, if he was the one to be having my attitudes, you know, everyone would look badly toward him. He and, would be the bad guy. Yeah. But that's not the case. Like, even if this were, if the shoe were on the other foot, it wouldn't make him the bad guy, and you're not the bad guy. I don't think either of you is the bad guy. I think what's happened here is you've grown apart. Apart. You've grown apart. You're, you, you were compatible for as long as you were compatible. Like, this is an issue now where you need to either resolve it by his giving in or resolve it by your getting out. That seems to be my two choices because I know I can't take this because... You know what? If I was messing around with somebody and every time I messed around with them, every time we were naked together, it ended up with them in tears, and it was that hard on them, I wouldn't want to put them through that anymore. I wouldn't be so sadistic, which is what makes me a little mad at your boyfriend. Like, the effect he's having yeah. on you is not, uh, you know, continuing with this relationship when you guys are having this effect on each other or he's having this effect on you is not love. Now, did I mention in my message that he's tried twice and freaked out? Because, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that makes it even more complicated, yeah. He, um, on our one year, actually, uh, tried, but couldn't, that's another issue I have that I guess I could ask you later. Um, I'm way too small, but um, he tried, 
and then decided against it. But then you, um, you're way too small. He couldn't get in you. You're too tight. Yeah, and then I think he started freaking out morally on top of that, and then stopped. So that was a sign. Then, God, God slammed your vagina shut. <laughs> Yeah, basically. And then the f that was on a Friday, I think. And then the following Monday, um, we were going to try again. But then he started freaking out about the whole concept of a condom because he was like, oh, it's something between us. It's not unitive. And I was like, okay. Unitive? Is he Catholic? Yeah, that's the issue here. He, he, <laughs> he told me... Yeah, because he... Well, we both go to a Catholic school together and everything, but I'm not... You'll I mean, recovered. I think... You'll recover. No, listen. <laughs> yeah. You need to end it. You need to go to college. You, you know, if he's doing everything but, and I assume that means oral and you guys are masking yeah. together, mm -hmm. is he fucking your ass? No. Um... Some, some of you fucking young people are doing that and calling it not sex. You love each other. You're doing the, the young Catholic thing, or the young... Uh, freaked out by abstinence education and Jesus looking over your shoulder thing, where you may be attaching so much importance to the loss of your virginities that it is making it scarier and more terrifying than it needs to be. You know, if the first time I had sex with somebody, it wasn't just, we like each other, we feel affection for each other, we want to express it this way, but like you said in your call, I want spiritual unity and being one in every possible way. But that isn't the Catholicism. I mean, I'm... Terrifying wherever it came from, because... because that, you I know, know. You're asking him, you're you're attaching significance to this sex act that may be intimidating him or spooking him around what it, you know, what it signifies if you guys do have this vaginal intercourse. Does it signify a lifelong spiritual unity, lifelong commitment? No, not to me. To him, I think so. He wants to have sex with one person his entire life, which I think is sad, but, um... And he can, and that person's himself, yeah. and then he'll have other partners, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know, but he, I mean, he told me that, you know, he really wants to do this for me, but he freaks out because of his upbringing. Like, his parents have constantly, like, his mother freaked out, and I think it was around our, like, we'd been going out for about six months when she had told him how she wasn't a virgin when she got married, and, like, it was the worst thing ever, and she still regrets it, which I don't think is the best thing to be hearing if you're already freaked uh, out about it. Nice. Well, it's not the best thing to be saying to your child uh, unless you're trying to screw them up sexually for the rest of their lives. Yeah, and I, I, I think, I you mean... You need to do... You're, you're graduating this year? Yeah. And you're going off to college, and it's May. Let it be what it is. Stop. Stop pressuring him to do this thing that he doesn't want to do and maybe then he'll do it but probably not but stop pressuring him regardless and then shake hands or shake genitals when you mutually masturbate for the last time and part ways he's a mess like mom telling him that shit and the church breathing down his neck and all this crap and you know that crap about condoms and unity waka 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 clearly you guys are not on the same page sexually anymore and you've outgrown him and he's got some freaking out and growing up to do and you are not going to sit there next to him naked while he does that over the next five years sobbing. Um, so it's obviously what I don't really want to do. But um, yeah, You don't really want to break yeah. up? Yeah. No, we, like I said, he is my best friend. I mean, he, we don't really have a superficial relationship like I know a lot of people are into. Every time an 18-year-old girl says about her boyfriend to me that he is my best friend, I think she's dating a fag. He's not. I asked him if he was gay. I asked, if he you was asked gay. the tortured Catholic with the mother issues 
if he was yes. in the heat. Well, I, it, oh my God. <laughs> I know, I know. No, but I mean, I know tons of gay people. Like, my, my two best friends are gay, a lesbian and, you know, a gay guy. They both, I was the person they came out to. It was random. But, um, you know, I mean, I, I know trained, what that's like. Have they trained their gaydar on your boyfriend and given you an assessment? Yeah, they don't think he's gay. They just well, think he's screwed up. I've never met him. I've never tasted his Yeah, I but I mean, he... I mean, like I said, we're very close. I mean, there was a period of time where I was really sick, and, like, he was there for me the whole time, and obviously we weren't very sexual then. So, I mean, I mean, he's definitely, it's not just a high school and relationship, those, in my opinion. And all those things can be true, and you can still have yeah. grown each other, and it can still be time to move on. Think about the people you know who are grown-ups, and ask yourself how many of them are with the people that they were in love with in high school, however real and legit that love was. It's often fleeting. That doesn't mean it didn't exist and it wasn't valuable, but it's very rarely lifelong lasting. And that's okay. I know. It's not and I know that's the reality, but and I, I really don't have my heads and head in the cloud as much, you know, as it sounds like I do. But it's just really hard to. No, it's going to be awful. I'm going to be in Boston, and he'll be in Michigan. So. It sounds like it doesn't sound awful to me. It sounds like the next phase in your lives and your love lives. But you don't think it's worth trying and saying, like, if I can deal with it? Because I'm thinking I'd be able to be a different person socially if I didn't have to worry about the dating scene, you know, put more social emphasis on friendships. Or would you say that maybe you tied down? I think things, darling. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's good when you head off to college to, to be free. Yeah. You may um, you, know, you may meet the love of your life at college. At college. Or at and I don't want to. And you don't want to be carrying a torch for your screwed up old Catholic boyfriend with mommy <laughs> issues forever. You know, yeah. you guys, if, if it's true love and you guys are destined to be together, you can get back together after college. Alrighty. Well, thank you very, very much. You're welcome. Hi, Dan. I am a 31-year-old woman. I am married. My husband and I have two small children. And I recently discovered that he has been having an affair with a woman for whom I have been suspicious for a long time. I tried to become her friend in sort of the extent of this not happening. And the affair became physical within the last two months. Uh, but I, I think he'd been lying to me and lying to himself about the nature of his relationship with her for a considerable amount of time. Uh, now, in the past, he and I had talked about the possibility of having a non-monogamous relationship, uh, which was really very uh, painful subject to discuss at the time because we weren't having sex regularly and we weren't communicating really well. And it seemed like a really bad idea. They work together. They travel in the same social circle. It's not really commonly known what happened. Um, they would like to continue um, what they're doing in an open fashion. Um, and I'm not really ready for that right now. I feel like the potential of having an open relationship a relationship exists in the future, but not right now. Um, they have said that they are willing to just be friends. It's hard for me to trust that you know, because I do have two small children that loving more than one person is possible without taking love away from the, another person. Uh, and I know that they do love each other, 
but I don't know that I can go through this process with this person, uh, with these people uh, at the moment. Um, so I'm trying to decide if it's my job to put my down and say, no, you can only be high by friends at work, or if I should just give them enough rope to let them figure themselves out. It doesn't sound like you really want to be in an open relationship at all. Yeah, I feel like... It sounds like you're telling him, because he wants to be in an open relationship, that that's a possibility that you will entertain at some indeterminate point in the future as a way of, you know, kicking the can down the road, of putting off the inevitable crisis. Well, I've been in polyamorous relationships before. Oh, really? I have, and, you know, felt mostly okay. You know, there's been hurt feelings here and there that have come along. And did, you but leave, I, did you leave, you know, polyamory behind because it, being in an open relationship didn't work for you emotionally? Um, yeah, maybe, you know, they just all seem to die a natural death. I, I didn't... As do, as, you know, they as, just do kind many, of, as do many monogamous relationships. You know, people talk about polyamory or open relationships and go, oh, they oh, they frequently fail. Dot dot dot. As if closed relationships don't. Right. Um, exactly. My problem. Are, go ahead. My problem with this situation is that I don't feel like he is trustworthy enough. Well, he's obviously not trustworthy enough if he was having enter into it right now. Broaching the subject of open relationships and agreed to know and had an affair with a coworker, he's obviously not a hundred percent trustworthy. And an affair that he would prefer to continue with my blessing. Mm-hmm. And so you're um, being, because he's deeply in love with her. So you're sort of being emotionally blackmailed into giving your blessing. Right, and I, you know, I've decided that I'm not going to do that. And last night, I told him that if he wanted to date both of us, then he would need to move out. Um, what did he and say? that he has not yet really responded to that um, because I just don't like the problem that I have in in this moment in time and being in an open relationship is that I'm a mom with two small children. Right. And I am the responsible one for finding the child care and finding, you know, so he gets to go out and find, like, this good time gal and go have his good times when I'm stuck at home. So what does he uh, want? <laughs> he wants, yes. Does he, does he fear divorce? Does he fear not having regular access to his children or day-to-day acts, daily, day-in, day-out? FaceTime with his children? Yes, he says he says yes, but then, you know, he, and I, I believe he, you know, I, you know, I know in my heart he loves his children, all of that, that's really not the issue, uh, it's really more the, you know, he just wants to go and have fun and be that fun guy, but he's in a really stressful school program. Right, and having two small children at home is really stressful, too. One of the things people who've consciously agreed to parent together are supposed to do is swallow the fact and that the first few years are going to be a stress fest where it's going to have to be, you know, all four hands on deck and not, right. I'm stuck at home, I have all the responsibility, and you, for 
you know, your own mental health need to be free and have some fun. Like, you need to have some fun, too. And right. You and guys should be trying to make that happen for each other and together. Um, do you have support? Well, do you have family around who can take I do have family. I, I do have family. I have, like, all of my family. And that's another issue is, like, in the, in the parenting world, is, like, it's my job to find all the child care. Um, that's, you know, my job. This doesn't come out of my mouth so often, <laughs> but... You guys need to get into couples counseling because you I, need an impartial dude, party I've, to negotiate this. I've set him to that task already. It is his job to find a couples counselor. What incentive does he have to find one? Uh, staying home, like continuing. I, you know, I guess part of the carrot I've given him is the possibility of an open relationship if we can fix ours now. But an open relationship where there is not just a little bit of sex on the side, but a relationship on the side when there's small children involved. Not because, you know, small children's parents can't have uh, open relationships, but small parent, uh, small children require the uh, focused attention of both parents. Yeah, Kitten, I know. And, yeah. And so if he's out there, you know, romancing this other woman, not just you know, occasionally getting it on with this woman who wants to occasionally get it on with him, but, like, they're in love and it's a an affair. Yeah. That's not fair to you. That's not fair to your kids. It's not fair to his kids. And I wouldn't... I wouldn't give it my blessing if I were in your shoes. Yeah, and I, I'm not. <laughs> and it's hard. So you need, to, you need to figure out what your ultimatum is. I feel like I laid it out last night. Okay. And the other, what, like, what, I feel what's also... The follow, what's the follow-up? The follow-up that I want to give, that I want from him to give me, mm-hmm. is I want access to all of his stuff. I want access to all of his email. I want access to his phone. You can't. You can't. And you, know, that, you know what that does? It just gives you one more child to look after. It really does, and I really hate it. If you can't trust him, if he says, all right, I won't, I'm sorry, you know, affairs happen, I'm the first to say that, you know, somebody cheats on you only once or twice in a long-term relationship, they were good at it, they were good at monogamy, um, because humans weren't, didn't evolve for, weren't designed or built for strict monogamy, but you can't become, you know, the East German Stasi <laughs> hovering over all of his yeah. records and emails and tracking. I don't even want to look. I just want to know that I could if I wanted. And that like, might may so... give him an incentive to, to, to straighten up and fly right. But you know what? If you say to him, you have this has to end, I need your focus, your kids need your focus, you stupid motherfucker, and we're going into couples counseling and you cannot date this woman, and then you can't trust him when he says, all right then you need to think about whether it's just time to pull the trigger and separate. Yeah. Because it might be easier to have him as an ex than to have him and parent with him as an ex than to have to monitor his movements at all times. Yeah. I I feel like I gave him that line last night, and I'm really waiting. I'm trying to give him some time to think about it and figure it out, but I really I, – I can't have him dating her. No. And – and me, and he <laughs> living all in the same house. And he shouldn't want to. And there's he's missing a chromosome if he's got two small children at home and he wants to. 
Not that he wants to. He's missing a chromosome. But, you know, everybody wants to. Men all want to fuck everybody. Everybody wants to. It's not that you don't want to. It's that you don't. He's missing a yeah. chromosome. And you can tell him that from me. Okay? Okay. I really, I really feel for you in this situation. You have been wronged. Well, thanks. But don't be bitter. And don't take it out on the kids. And don't no. No, bless them. All right. Okay, good hey. luck. Give us a call sometime and let us know you're okay. I'll let you know. Okay. Okay, thanks, Dan. Bye, sweetie. You may remember last week we spoke to a uh, 18-year-old high school boy who was at a party and a straight-identified high school boy, uh, a boy that he had no reason to think might not be straight, uh, got drunk uh, and made clumsy overtures. Uh, it's on last week's show if you want to listen to it. And we asked the high school boy who was on his way to a party that day where he's going to see that boy again uh, to call and give us a, an update. And he did. And here it is. Again, this is the high school student who was approached by the uh, closeted boy. Um, I'm just calling with an update after Friday night. Um, I talked to him again, and he uh, he did remember our conversation, thank God. And he uh, he said that basically he was kind of like, he didn't know what to say, and that uh, he was either really drunk or, and I quote, he has a lot of thinking to do. And then he basically told me that uh, the party where we were wasn't the time or the place to discuss it, but he didn't really specify another time or place. So uh, I think I'm just going to lay back and sort of play it by ear. I followed your advice and said that uh, sort of like made it clear that I was around. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Thanks. Bye. So he said he was really drunk or... He has some thinking to do. Those aren't mutually exclusive phenomena. You can be really drunk and have a lot of thinking to do. Uh, sometimes you get really drunk because you have a lot of thinking to do that you want to avoid doing. That is often the case with the Tormented Closet case. And that wraps up this week's installment of the Savage Love cast, the once-a-week out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. The phone number here if you want to record a question for a future podcast, 206 201 2720. Try to keep it under a minute or two and leave a phone number so we can call you back uh, if we want to do a follow-up. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage or not if you set it on that little automatic iPod magic that just downloads it automatically. Uh, people, please stop yelling at me for saying you download it every week even though you don't have to download I know, alright? How else am I supposed to fucking describe it? And I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com Uh... This concludes this week's Savage Lovecast.